This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I'll never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. What we're doing in 2023, and I'm sure over into 2024, is walking through the miracles of the New Testament, looking for patterns and principles. The message today is Ananias and Sapphira struck dead. Now, this is not like a rah-rah type, you know, miracle, but it is a miracle. And so if it's in the New Testament and it's a miracle, well, we got to deal with it. This is miracle number 39 by our reckoning. Now, two weeks ago, we crossed over from the Gospels into the book of Acts. Today, we will deal with a very different kind of miracle, and it will surprise you. It is actually a miracle of divine judgment, but it had positive miraculous results for the early church. Overwhelming generosity characterized the early church and there were no needy among them. Jesus said in John's gospel that believers should be known by their love for one another and by their unity. And that was true of the early church. Acts chapter four, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. That's our goal here at Faith Christian Center, and that is for there to be no needy persons among us. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So overwhelming generosity characterized the early church and there were no needy among them. Now you understand, I know, you know, people read that and they see communism. Uh, those were different days and these are different days. You have to understand that they were under Roman occupation. Not only that, the, Jew, the Christians were being persecuted by the Jews. Also, they were dealing with widows. That comes up in a later chapter in the book of Acts. And so... And you understand also that we are so blessed and, and yet all people can seem to do is complain uh, because when you, when you live in a roaring economy like this, you know, if you lose a job on Monday, you can get a job on Tuesday. And it may not be your dream job, but you can get a job on Tuesday and then look for a better job. Do you understand? Well, they did not live in those kind of days. 
And so we have to understand that. You know, tell your neighbor, when you read the Bible, it's okay to use your brain. Amen. Now, Barnabas, who later traveled with the Apostle Paul, and by the way, it's fascinating to me that a guy that is later called an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ is first mentioned in the Bible in connection with a gift. And the Bible says a man's gift makes room for him. So Barnabas, who later traveled with the apostle Paul, sold a field and gave all of the proceeds to the church. Now Barnabas did not give some or what was left over, he gave all. But here is an important lesson. Not everyone is a Barnabas. So don't lie and pretend to be someone you are not. Man, we are going to get into some deep waters here that we never teach on at Faith Christian Center, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to help you avoid a shipwreck. So I just got done saying not everyone is a Barnabas, so don't lie and pretend to be someone you're not. In the parable of the talents, Jesus tells the account of a man with one talent, a man with two talents, and a man with five talents. The two talent and the five talent guys each doubled what the master entrusted to them. But the one talent guy hid and buried the talent so he didn't even earn interest for his master. And then when he returned the one talent to the master, he actually blamed the master for what he had done. Now listen, not everybody is a two-talent or a five-talent man. <laughs> this is great stuff. But if you are a one-talent man or a two-talent man, there's no point in lying and pretending to be something you're not because God will judge it and you will reap the negative consequences in this life and the next. Now, the Bible tells us, we don't have to wonder, the Bible tells us what happens to liars. In Revelation 21, verse 8, it says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So, friends, there will be no liars in the city of God. And there will also be no pretenders in the city of God. In the parable of the wedding banquet, those invited do not come. Matthew 22, verse 8 following. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite the, to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But there was a pretender who showed up, verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are invited but few are chosen. So there will be no liars in the city of God and there will be no pretenders. Now, not everyone is a Barnabas, so don't lie and pretend to be someone you're not. Acts chapter five, verse one. Now, a man named Ananias together, everybody shout together. A man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge, say full knowledge. He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest to 
Everybody say the rest. And put it at the apostles' feet. Now, sometimes in the past, I have wondered if couples were unequally yoked. But as I get older, I realize that most married couples are indeed equally yoked. They are of like mind, they are of like faith, and they have like character, and sometimes they're even in cahoots together. You know, when I was a young man and a woman would misbehave, I would think, you know, surely her husband's not in on that behavior. Sometimes when a, a man would misbehave, I would think, well, surely the wife is above that. But as the years have rolled by, I have seen that generally, not always, but generally, a married couple is operating in tandem. Now listen, this is why it is so important that you understand that your job as a parent is not done until your children are well-educated and well-married and self-sufficient. There's this thing, you know, just believing for the best. You know, I notice that if I believe the best on my weight and don't count calories, I get fatter. I notice that if I believe for the best with money and I don't save money and I don't invest money, I don't pull ahead. I notice that if I just believe for the best on debt and, and don't do anything about it, it doesn't go down. And so if there's anything in life that we should not be careless on, it is the connections of our children. If you were not here Wednesday night, in the middle of the message Wednesday night, there was a point of blinding revelation. And I talked about how that the fourth advantage Sue and I had was that we always put the word of God ahead of every relationship. Woe be unto those that allow sons and daughters to connect to Bible critics and Bible haters because you're not going to have anything but trouble, 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 trouble. And I know that these feminazis blame men for all their troubles, but the re I've lived long enough on this planet to see that the woman has the power because she has what he wants. And so when a son marries poorly, he's going to gravitate to be in agreement with her. And then you're going to come to some Thanksgiving or Christmas and your feminazi son is going to be there at the table. You know, spouting marks and all of this stuff. So be careful, be careful. Did you notice in the first testimony Sue, Sue read, you know, they're bragging about getting those boys in the houses and their boys being well married. Well, they didn't go out and marry feminazis. They didn't go out and marry pro-abortion, you know, broads from the mall. Forgive me, Father, for using that word. But anyway, that's what, you know, look, a, a lot of females are not ladies. And now, you don't even know if they're females. So I say it's about time we get a little more 
discretion and wisdom and leading of the Holy Spirit, but not even that. Don't, don't just be one of these people trying to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. God gave, tell your neighbor, God gave you a brain and God gave you a set of eyes. So it's okay to use your brain and your eyes. Amen. This message is dedicated to keeping you out of trouble. Amen. Acts 5, 1 and 2, now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. In other words, they were in cahoots. He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So like Cain, he only gave some, he gave the rest, he gave what was left over. They did not put God first, they did not give God their best, and we understand that, but they pretended to. The issue, see, and Peter's going to say here in a minute, you own the land. It was up to you to do what you wanted with the money. The problem was not that they sold the land. The, the problem was not that they held back part of the money. The problem was that they pretended to be like Barnabas. And Ananias and Sapphira were certainly no Barnabas. They did not give all. They were liars and pretenders. Verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Verse five, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Verse 9, Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will also carry you out. At that moment, she fell down and at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Now, these were free will offerings. Nobody was making anybody do anything. Ananias and Sapphira could have given half the amount or a third of the amount or whatever they chose to give. And that would have been fine if they had told Peter, the apostles, here's, here's a tithe on uh, the sale of the land or here's 20% or whatever but that's not what they did they pretended they were like Barnabas they they wanted to lie and pretend that they were like Barnabas when in fact they were just a one talent husband and wife so what was the sin of Ananias and Sapphira that resulted in immediate and public judgment well they lied to God they lied to the Holy Spirit they lied to the apostles they lied to the leadership of the church and they lied to everyone who was a part and a member of that church. They put God to the test and found out what happens when you do that. This was a miracle of judgment, but as horrific as this was, this miracle had positive, miraculous results. Picking up in verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell some stories until I feel like I've told enough. I think it was 1980, 
Well, the third Sunday of March 1988, we moved from the hotel to our first building up there at I-30. And uh, a great gap in our training was that no one had taught us about jealousy and envy. And so we moved from the hotel over into that first building up there at I-30 at the Northfield Road exit. And we had all this trouble and turnover. And we thought, what? I mean, it was like, what in the world? And because our thinking was everybody ought to be happy. You know, we finally got out of the hotel. Four years and two and a half months in a hotel. And we finally got out of the hotel. We were in our first building. Everybody should be happy. But there was all this, you know, turmoil, trouble. And it took us years to see it. But in retrospect, in the rearview mirror, and you understand, thank God for the rearview mirror, but the rearview mirror doesn't help you in real time. And so from our perspective, you know, we had a house, but we had no equity. We had two cars, but we owed every nickel that the cars were worth. We had a little bit in retirement accounts. We had this new building up there at I-30, but we probably owed every nickel that it was worth. So in our little minds, we, we didn't have anything, but people were jealous. And, and, you know, the people of God just need to be aware that a lot of times when there's strife and trouble and turmoil and you don't know what's going on, here's something you ought to write down. You ought to write it down. When you don't understand something, you ought to write it down. When you don't understand something, comma, it's about the money. When you don't understand something, comma, it's about the money. And they get all jealous of what you got. It's either that or, you know, your wife. I only found out recently that one of those guys that was helping us at the hotel had asked Sue out on a date. You know, if I'd known that in real time, I'd be in prison right now. Because <laughs> when I was a young man, I had a temper. So, but anyway, in 1989, so one of these uh, fly-by-night people pioneered a church up in North Fort Worth, and we lost people to that. And, you know, I was, I was just beside myself because, you know, I'm building, building, building. I'm, I'm winning people. I'm building. I'm building. I'm winning people. I'm building. And so when you, you lose, you know, uh, a few families, it was a handful of families, well, you're not happy. And we get through that. It was a year, maybe two years later, uh, a guy pioneered over in Fort Worth. Then there goes another several families. And, you know, I, I never went to the Lord about it. Some things I just don't talk to him about. And, uh, but, but he broached it one morning at 5 a.m. prayer. And uh, he said, I was at the front of the auditorium in front of where the pulpit was and and I was looking to the south, and the Lord, and my, my head turned to the west door, and the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, When the devil goes out one door, and I turned to the east door and looked, and I saw him. I saw the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, When trouble goes out, when, when Satan goes out one door, the Holy Spirit comes in the other door. Amen. And I saw him. And then he told me something. And uh, 
this is a truth, but it's terrible. He told me, he said, every living thing has bowel movements. Now, let me shift gears. If I died this afternoon and this evening I went to the temple of God and the city of God, where would you find me? If I died this afternoon and tonight I went to the temple of God and the city of God, where would you find me? You know where you'd find me? At the back. I have... I have seen this over and over and over and over and a bunch of more overs. Because we have, over the years, we have people and, and they want to pretend that they're something they're not. Just a, within the last fortnight, you heard me say in this church that I'm a one-talent guy who turned up with two talents. Don't overestimate yourself. The Bible specifically talks about don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. And I can tell story after story after story. When Kenneth Copeland was taking delivery of his Citation 10, Sue and I had given into that, so there was an invitation to go out there and see him receive, take delivery. Sue was busy, Austin was busy, so I took Christina, and we get out there, and uh, we're standing at the back. Where are you going to find Pastor Gene? I'm standing at the back. And Gloria Copeland's brother comes up and says, uh, Dr. Gene, what are you doing standing here at the back? I said, well, I said, Doug, you know, I'm just happy to be here. And uh, he had an usher take us down there. He said, he said take Dr. Lingerfelt and his daughter and sit him down there behind uh, Gloria. Over and over, I could tell these stories till 2024. Austin and I were, Austin and I were at a Kenneth Hagin meeting, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003 in Jacks, Mississippi, I think it was, and, and uh, they, after the service is over that night, you know, they have a fellowship hall for ministers, we go up there, and you know, big old usher with a clipboard, he said, what's your name, I told him my name, he says, you're not on the list, I didn't think a thing of it, so Austin and I go back down the stairs and we're on our way out and Ken H Kenneth Hagan Jr.'s television producer saw us and we were on television in Tulsa every Sunday morning at nine o'clock. So he came up, introduced himself to us and we chatted a while and he said, let's go up to the, let's go up to the, uh, the fellowship hall for ministers. And I said, well, I'm not on the list. He said, nonsense. And so we went up the stairs and... Uh, the big old usher there is with his clipboard. And he said, I understand you wouldn't let Dr. Lingerfelt and his son in. They're not on the list. What's your name? He told him his name. He says, you're not on the list either. <laughs> I'm telling you what, all hell broke loose because the, the next day they made those ushers come and ask our forgiveness. And, and we, then we were invited. We were in another town. Alexandria... Louisiana, Austin and I, and Vicky uh, had called, you know, Dr. Lingerfeld's coming, doesn't matter, you know, who, who, who dat. And uh, so we get there, and uh, you understand a lot of it's roped off, so we just pick some seats back beyond what's roped off. And one of Kenneth Hagan, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, 
one of his employees came and said, what are you doing sitting back here? Well, this is where they put us. And he said, you come sit here. Put us behind Aretha. That evening, fellowship, you know, for the ministers going on. I didn't know they had two fellowship halls. They had the A-list and the D-list. <laughs> so, you know, Dr. Gene and Austin were over there in the D-list and and I'm sitting there with one of my ministry friends, and we're laughing about it, actually. We're laughing about it. And an usher comes. Says, you Dr. Lingerfeld? I said, yes, sir. And he said, uh, I need for you and your son to come with me. Well, they take us over to the A Fellowship room. And the pastor actually said, how did you get in here? <laughs> then his mother interrupted the great and venerable B.B. and Velma Hankins. And Velma Hankins came up, and she wasn't really talking to me, she was talking to Austin. And she, she took my face in her hands, you gotta be an old woman to do this. <laughs> Watch it now. She took my, my face in her hands, she wasn't talking to me, she was talking to Austin. She said, she said my baby boy had backslid. But she said, it was your mom and dad that won him back to Jesus. And now he's, he's back in the ministry in our church. And then the pastor, you know, that didn't want me on the list, he's having to listen to all this. Listen, listen. Don't waste your life trying to exalt yourself. That's what everybody... And don't be calling yourself a social media influencer. You know what a social media influencer is? That's somebody that has nothing else to call themselves. And it's typically somebody with too much makeup. Don't spend your life trying to exalt yourself. Do what is right, young man. Do what is right and let God lift you up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because when God lifts you up, it can have a sense of humor to it. That guy that, you know, his usher said, you're not on the list. He, he died an ignoble death. I mean, I could tell these stories. People been humiliated, ended poorly. That same place, I, don't, I can't remember exactly how it played out because Austin was with me on that fellowship hall thing, but then somehow, someway, Sue was with me. It might have been a three-week meeting, but Sue was with me, and we're at that same place, and, you know, they'd never give us seats, and I fly back to Arlington to preach on the weekend. I left Sue there. Well, when I get back, I was shocked. I found out that Sue had been adopted by these rich people and because they'd found out she was from Ohio and that I had preached for his brother. And so then that, that next week, you know, that we had seats. And I'm going to say something else related to all of this. And this is so huge. You have to make up your mind to not be offended. 
See, what did I tell that young man that worked for Kenneth Hagin in Alexandria, Louisiana, when he said, what are you doing sitting back here? I said, I'm just glad to have a seat. You just have to make up your mind to not be offended because the way I was treated, I might not have gone back, but it was after I went there the next week, so had been adopted by these rich people from Ohio. After that, we were given great seats, but that was the week that Kenneth Hagin himself prophesied over Gene and Sue about phase two. So what if I'd gotten offended? I would have missed. See, your answer is in the service. And Satan is working 24-7 to get you offended at something. You know, maybe a word I used earlier in the message or the way I'm dressed or whatever. And Satan works to get you offended. Why? Because in 2023, the rarest thing in any given county in the United States of America is the Word of God and the anointing of God. It is the rarest thing in any county in anywhere in the United States. And so Satan doesn't want you anywhere near the Word and he doesn't want you anywhere near the anointing. And so how does he get people out? He gets them offended. And they walk away from their field and they walk away from their blessing and they walk away from their future harvest because they got offended. And then they end up where? Where there's no word and where there's no anointing. One of the criticisms, I know we shouldn't repeat what the devil says, but I challenge anybody here to go find another church anywhere. Anywhere that has not lost one member to COVID in these four years. I challenge you to go find, now we've had people pass away from other things, but not that. Because somebody with some word of God in their mouth and somebody with some anointing stood up here in April of 2020 and said, we will not lose one person to this. And yet people say, well, we don't have any signs, wonders, and miracles because we're not falling down and foaming at the mouth. Look, I would rather, I would rather, I would rather have a sign and a wonder and a miracle that truly demonstrated the power of God than a show. But I, I, I would say you, you, there may not be another one. I mean, a church that has not lost one person to COVID in four years. Not one. Not one. Not one. Not one. See, I read the Bible. This is specifically dealt with in the Bible. Most of the ministers I know today, 
that are alive today, if they died today, they'd go to the temple of God and the city of God tonight and they would go all the way down to the front and they would look at the front row for their seat and they wouldn't find their seat. And then they would look at the second row for their seat and they wouldn't find their seat. And they would look at the third row for their seat and they would do that for 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000 or 40,000 rows. But I read the Bible. So what I would do is I would go and I would stand at the back and work the word. Because by and by, somebody would say, what are you doing back here? And I would say, I'm just glad to be in the temple of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they would take me up. Better to be moved forward Then somebody say, what the heck are you doing up here? Your seat is in the lobby. Tell your neighbor, the annual Bible reading is something you ought to do. You know, you learn all kinds of things. Wait on the Lord. Don't try and exalt yourself. Wait on the Lord and he will lift you up. Do the next right thing and God will exalt you. And when God exalts you, no man can pull you back down. And it breaks my heart when I watch messages from the past. I see men, and uh, they were here for a while, but they pretended to be something they weren't. And there's no, there's no advantage to it. You know, just be happy where you are. Amen. We're not in a race against each other, brothers and sisters. We are racing against our own potential. So I'm not in a race against you, and you're not in a race against me, but we are in a race. You are racing against your potential in life, and I am racing against my potential in life, but we're not racing against each other. And something that these pretenders have in common is when they get their hands on a few nickels, they are unkind. They are unkind toward their brothers. Don't be like that. Walk kindly. See this thing of, you know, I I have money. I deserve to be treated a certain way. I'm a special person. I deserve VIP treatment. That's the world. Don't love the world or anything in the world. Walk humbly before the Lord. He will lift you up. Amen. Do the next right thing. That's what Lester Summerall taught us in our living room that night. Just do the next right thing. Amen. But Ananias and Sapphira, they were pretenders. But now after after God killed them, 
And I want to I want to ask you a question. Do you think God kills people to send them to heaven? The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. In other words, there was fear in the hearts. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. In other words, it wasn't a fad to be a part of their number, but people knew who they are, they, they knew who they were, they knew what they believed, and because of the signs and the wonders and the miracles, their numbers kept growing, even though people might have been reluctant to hang out with that crowd. <laughs> because of the persecution of the Jews, but also, you know, if you, if you go to that church and lie, you're going to drop dead. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Shout it out loud, all of them were healed. Shout out loud again, all of them were healed. Now this is fascinating and it is positive even in this seemingly negative miracle because we think, we assume that that phrase is only in the Gospels. It is not. All of them were healed. There were times in the Gospels all of them were healed, but here we have an example in the book of Acts. All of them were healed. This miracle of immediate and public judgment resulted in revival. So the church grew and many miracles and miracles of healing continued to take place. Sometimes your spiritual house needs to be swept clean. The church, any gathering of believers, is a living entity. There are sheep and goats, the mature, the immature. There are occasionally wolves who have to be dealt with. There are wheat and tares or weeds, and every living thing occasionally has a bowel movement. Now, we don't like it when, or rejoice when this happens, but this miracle of immediate and public judgment resulted in revival. I just read the other day in the annual Bible reading, I think it's in Hebrews, judgment begins at the house of the Lord. We, we think, man, those people in Washington are really in for it. Man, those people down there in Austin are really in for it. But judgment begins in the house of God. The church grew in many miracles and miracles of healing took place. So not everyone is a Barnabas, so don't lie and pretend to be someone you're not. Handle money right and don't lie about money. Say it out loud. I'm going to handle money right and not lie about money. Ananias and Sapphira, there's a ministry. It's a big deal, you know. It's amazing to me, you know. But every few months he announces some big project. He raises money for it. Nothing happens, you know. Austin showed me a video here a couple of years back. He's out there with a shovel, you know, pretending he's digging a trench for a footing, you know, raise money for it, nothing happened. Raise money for this, nothing happened. Raise money for that, nothing happened. You're so blessed. You're so blessed. Because we don't hustle you. I would rather build a building every, you know, decade and a half and it show up 
than pretend I'm building a building every six months. Amen? And so pretenders are not just in the pews. Pretenders are also in the pulpits. And now that's doubly so in 2023 because, you know, you could have a pastor and you don't know. It could be a pastorette. See, Lester Summerall taught, taught us in our living room, if a man isn't right with his money, that man isn't right. So how we handle money matters because it tells everybody around us and it tells the Lord where, where our heart is. That's why Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And this is why Jesus also taught in the parable of the talents, everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now in the gospels, Jesus told the rich young man that he lacked one thing, which was treasure in heaven. People misread this uh, Account, Mark 10, 21, Jesus told him, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And, and people get focused on, you know, giving to the poor, that they read communism into that. It's not about that. It's about getting treasure in heaven. That young man could not bring himself to simply do what Jesus said to do. He, and by, by the way, when Jesus operated, you understand there was no church. So how, where would you do your giving? He wouldn't tell them, would he? He wouldn't tell them to take it down to the synagogue, not give money to those rascals, right? And there was no church, not when Jesus was alive. So where would you give your money if you were going to give money? That young man could not bring himself to simply do what Jesus said do. He lacked the will and the personal strength and character. He actually lacked the faith to obey. Had he obeyed, what would the harvest have been? And he went away sad because he had great wealth. That rich young man was no Barnabas, but at least he did not lie and pretend to be a Barnabas like Ananias and Sapphira. Not everyone is a Barnabas, so don't lie and pretend to be someone you're not. And make sure you handle money right and don't lie about money. Do not lie about money. Do not lie. Anybody here need more money? Let me see your hand if you need more money. I got both of my hands up. Well, don't lie about money. Because we need more. We don't, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't need God to judge me on money. Handle money rightly and God will entrust you with more. Tell your neighbor, handle money right and God will entrust you with more. Tell the neighbor on the other side, handle money right and God will entrust you with more. So handle money rightly in 2024 and God will entrust you with more. That rhymes. <laughs> handle your money right in 2024 and God will entrust you with more. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Now the Holy Spirit has challenged us to believe God for a doubling in 2024 and with God all things are possible. But how can we believe God for a doubling in 2024 if we don't handle money rightly? How can we believe God for a doubling in 2024 if we are liars or if when it comes to money, we are liars? How can we believe God for a doubling in 2024 if we are fakes and pretenders? Handle money right and God will entrust you with more. Handle money right in 2024 and God will entrust you with more. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him.
So I don't know about you, but I need more. I don't need less. Amen. To build phase two, I don't need more. I don't need less. I need more. Amen. So I, I got to handle money right. I got to do right. I got to do the next right thing. Now you may wonder when I do a message like this, how I feel about other ministers doing what they do. That's beyond my pay grade. I'm not in charge of anybody. I'm not the judge of anything. I don't think about it. I don't meditate on it. I don't retaliate. I don't lift a finger. I don't say a word. Because both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there is a prohibition against judging another man's servant. They don't work for me. I just, I just leave it with the Lord, amen? I don't try and defend myself, exalt myself. But I have eyes and I have a brain. I know one guy wouldn't give me an honorarium after I spoke for him, he went to prison. Another guy wouldn't give me an honorarium after I spoke for him, he got his niece pregnant. Another guy, that, another guy that treated me bad, he died in the backseat of his mother-in-law's car at a gas station. I mean, uh, I could go on and on and on and on and on. I mean, I got a brain, I got eyes, but I don't touch it. I leave it with God. I let God handle it. I tell him, it's your problem. It's not my problem. Sometimes I tease him a little bit, very, very rarely, but sometimes I tease them a little bit and say, they sure wouldn't work for me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I told, him, I told him a few months ago, you let that go on, you deserve what you get, but it's none of my business. Amen. Hallelujah. If we will learn to handle money right, God will give us more. And I don't know about you, but with prices going up, we need more. Amen. Amen. We don't need less. Now, if you want to know how low this is, in our entire society, who lies the most about money? Talk to me. In our entire society, who lies the most about money? Politicians. Do you want to be with you want to be classified with them? No. So we need to do right and we need to act right when it comes to money. Amen. You know, if you're at the Uber level, just thank God. Amen. Don't 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 get in debt renting a limo. A lot of debt gets created by people trying to act like there's something they're not. Just, just cruise along where you are and be happy. Amen. On these weddings, do a wedding that you can afford. Don't do a wedding that's going to put you in debt for five years. And uh, yeah, but I got to keep up. No, you don't. No, you don't. And if people want to come to your son or daughter's wedding and judge your son or daughter's wedding, who needs them? They're not your friend anyway. Amen. So stop all this keeping up with the Joneses. 
Stop all this pretending to be what you're not. <laughs> all right. Stop making new challenge offering commitments when you haven't given a nickel to the last one. That's what the Holy Spirit just said. What is that? Now, there could be some faith in that, but you know, after a while, it turns into presumption or it turns into a charade. In other words, you know, I mean, I could understand making a brand new commitment when I haven't given to the last one. Actually, I can't understand that because I would take action, take action, take action on the old one, and I would have at least part of it paid off. But I understand people can get, you know, they're in faith, they're believing God, God speaks to them, and they commit new money. But just don't, 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 don't stack those up like poker chips. Make your word come to pass. I'm going to say one more thing. It's the last, last time in 2023 that I will have the opportunity to speak the word of God. So I'm going to tell you one more life-changing thing, and then I'm going to quit. Like Isaiah said, we live in a land of liars. But I... Declare to you that when a, a man lives at the covenant level to where he sweareth to his own hurt, yet makes his word come to pass, any man, called or not, in the ministry or not, can have great power with God. I never teach on this because of the way it's been abused. But when a man, a woman, goes to God and says, I'm going to do thus and so financially and does it, there's great power with God there. So that's another reason to not pretend. Because when you tell God you're going to do something financially and you do it, you grow in power with God. But when you tell God you're going to do something and you don't do it, you put yourself on the wrong side of the equation. And I would say don't do it. January of 2018, he told me to put an extra million dollars in the challenge offering above and beyond what we were doing. And I, I came, next time I was here on a Sunday, and I told you all that. Well, it happened. And then I thought, well, that was so easy. I'm going to do that again, and I'm nearly at a doubling. But my point is, you take certain actions and they have such power. They can carry you into something like a phase two at Faith Christian Center. And you don't want to get on the wrong side of that. If you're, if you're operating at the $5,000 level, operate at the $5,000 level and be happy. If you're operating at... <laughs> we, were, 
we were getting ready to come into the service and I was reminiscing. The day we left for CBC, I was making $1.25 an hour and I worked all day, 10 hours, and then we tried to drive to Springfield, Missouri at night. And I was telling my family, that's, that's insane. $1.25, 10 hours, that was $10. But in 1974, I needed that $10. My God, my God, my God, if you would only listen to me, God will take you so far down the road. <laughs> you will say like them in the Psalms, we were like them that dream. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you will only hear God and do what God says and not pretend, but do it, your power grows and grows and grows and grows, not just financially, but power with God. Amen. And when you need an answer, you have your answer. Let's bow our heads. You might be here this morning and you've never made Jesus your Savior. You've never asked God to forgive you of your sins. So last Sunday of the year would be a great day to commit your life to God. You'd never forget it. You'd remember I was saved on New Year's. New Year's Eve, 2023, going into 2024. How many this morning would say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior, but I'd like to do so this morning. I've never asked God to forgive me of my sins, but I'd like to do so this morning. Because Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He said in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. How many... How many would hear my call and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to give my life to God. I want to go into the new year, a new creation in Christ Jesus. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. Yes. Others here this morning, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. You might be here this morning and you're away from God. You're not living for the Lord like you promised him you would. You're not living for the Lord like you committed to. The Word of God says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm backslidden, but I don't want to remain in a backslidden condition. Pastor, I want to recommit my life to God. I want to make it right. I want to live for Him. Going into this new year, I want a brand new start. I want to live for Him from this day to my last day. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where you can see it. We're going to pray. How many others here this morning? Let's all stand. We want to give an opportunity for those that have raised their hand for either invitation to make their, their confession of faith publicly. If you raise your hand for either invitation, I want you to gather your, your Bible in hand, your stuff. Ladies, take your purse in hand. I want you to join me here at the front. We're going to pray. And if you're here this morning and you did not raise your hand for either invitation, but the Spirit of God is calling you, drawing you, I want you to join us. We're going to pray. For the sake of those who may be coming and for the sake of those online, let's pray the prayer together. Father God, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've done my own thing. I've gone my own way. I've lived for self. But today I turn and I repent of that old way of living and I give you my life. I thank you, Father God, 
for not rejecting me, but for receiving me unto yourself and into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you're watching online and you committed your life to Christ or recommitted your life to Christ, and we have reports every week of people doing so, you can contact us at FCCArlington.com salvation, and we would love to send you a copy of my book, God's Very Own Child. If you need a Bible, let us know. We'd be happy to send you a Bible. Let us know if you want English or Spanish. We have both, and we want to be a blessing to you. Can you say, praise the Lord? for the preaching of the Word of God.